Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. How can you grow your faith? I'm going to start off by reading Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. This is what the Bible says. Matter of fact, let me start with verse 1. Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. Refuse to fall into conformity to the world. Don't do things the way the world does things. There's another set of rules that we live by as Christians. We're not called to conform to the world. We're called to conform to the kingdom. We're to be culturally adapted to the kingdom of heaven. I don't care if you're from Poland, if you're from Italy, if you're from Canada, if you're from some African nation or South American nation, I am not a Canadian first. I am a kingdom-minded person. I am a kingdom Christian before I'm anything else. And so Paul is saying you should live that way. Don't conform. I don't care oh, those Canadian Christians. There is no Canadian Christians. I can't stand when they start saying that they're, you know, I have a black church, or I go to a white church, or I go to a Hispanic church, or I go to a Chinese church. There is no such church. There is only one church. There is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ who reigns from heaven. There is one body. There is one baptism. There is one God. There is one kingdom. There is one faith. There's, I hate when we start to split things up into a million different things and you start to have division and you have schisms. The Bible warns in 1 Corinthians 12 that we're not to have any schism, anybody cut off, anybody divided in the body of Christ because when that happens, it will put a, a cut, it'll put an end, it'll hinder the flow of the operational power of God through the church. Paul talking about the gifts of the Spirit. He says there's the working of miracles. There's the gifts of healing. There's the gift of faith. There is the discerning of spirits. There is the gift of word of knowledge. There is the word of wisdom. There is the gift of prophecy. There's all these wonderful gifts, but he stops. Before he moves on to anything else, he says, but, but, there can be no division for these gifts. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, everybody uses that as the love chapter for weddings. But it's not primary. It can be used to, dis- to define love and all that, of course. But that's not its primary application. The primary application of 1 Corinthians 13 is that, and it's not like some, like Paul had ADHD and he was talking about the gifts of the Spirit and all of a sudden he just got started talking about love randomly. And then in chapter 14, he comes back on, he got off on a rabbit trail and now he's back on the tracks of what he really wanted to say. That's not what 1 Corinthians 13 is. 1 Corinthians 13 is Paul saying all the operation of these gifts will never work fully, will never operate uh, to the profiting of the church unless love and unity is at the center, the core of it all. He says, if I have the gift of faith so as to move all mountains, I'll never be able to release that if I have not love. If I have the gift of prophecy so as to reveal everything in the world, all the mysteries of the world, but I have not love, it's not going to do anything. If I bestow all my goods to the poor, if I give my body to be burnt at the stake, if I give myself as a martyr, as a sacrificial offering to God but I don't have love at the core of it all it profits me nothing for love is kind love is 
not boastful. Love does not parade itself. And then it says, love bears all things, endears all things, hopes all things, and believes all things. For where there is prophecy, it might fail, but love never fails. And so the way to have these gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and I'm not going to talk about that today, but the way to have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the power of God flow through your life is by working working them through love. Jesus moved with compassion, healed the sick. So the gifts of the Spirit that worked through Christ's ministry were activated by love. And so I say all that to say, there is no... Black church, Hispanic church, Jamaican church, white church, Polish church. There is one church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are all members of that body and members in particular. Can I get an amen in the comment section? So don't be conformed to the world that loves to divide and classify everything. Oh, that's a, that's a black section in the city. That's a white section of the city. That's a Hispanic church. Don't do that. Instead... Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Now, verse 3 is what I wanted to get into. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think of yourself soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. When you get saved, you receive a measure of faith. How do we know that? Because the Bible says in Ephesians 2.8, it's by grace through faith that you are saved. You cannot be saved without faith at work in your, in your spirit. And that faith that God gives you for salvation is a gift from God. And when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you are saved. It brings about salvation to your life. But the scripture says we have a measure. We all start at the baseline of faith. We all start at a level of faith that is necessary for salvation to get us into the kingdom of heaven. But the Bible doesn't say you have to stay at that measure of faith. The Bible says you can do things to grow your faith and then you can do things to, to negate the effect of faith and to shipwreck your faith. Paul tells Timothy, many people have by their own conduct and speech shipwrecked their faith. You can shipwreck your faith. No matter what faith God gives you initially at salvation, what you do with that faith is totally dependent on you. We all start at the level, you know, everyone, anyone ever heard of that statement where they say at the cross, the ground is even. The ground is level at the cross. But then after the cross, the ground gets very unleveled because there's some Christians that took the responsibility upon themselves to take that measure of faith to nourish it to grow it to mature it to bring it up to maturity to, to, to develop it to take it to another level and so they're operating they're not at the same level they were at when they got saved they're at a much higher level they're not just believing for sniffles to go they're laying hands on cancer patients and seeing cancer dissolve as they lay hands in faith and in, in obedience to the word of god mark 16 says ye shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover but then you have other believers that it seems like they never ever take off the ground they always are at that ground level of faith they never catapult they never move upward they never add to their faith the bible says let me get into second peter chapter one and verse 5, 
but also for this very reason. Matter of fact, let's read from verse 3. As God's divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. We all have the same word of God available to each and every one of us. We, I don't have a special section of God's word that's available to me because I'm an evangelist and there's like an asterisk before you get into it that says if you're not in the fivefold ministry, don't move on forward, stick to the rest that all the other guys have. No, the whole Bible is for whosoever shall believe. It's for whosoever. The, the very gospel is exclusive and inclusive. It's exclusive in the sense that only those who believe can partake of the promise of God but it's inclusive in that the call to believe is for everyone Romans chapter 10 says that the same God is rich unto all that believe he does not show any distinction between Jew or Greek between female or male between slave or free God shows richness and goodness and mercy to everyone who believes for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved so that that is a a, a, a universal call and you can study the gospels many a times you'll see things like as many as touched jesus were healed as many as believed were saved as many as heard and believed were healed of their infirmities and he healed all that had any need of healing god uh jesus when he came he didn't come to save deliver and heal a select few individuals he came for all and if the devil can get you to believe wrongly that god's blessings are for a select individuals that are sovereignly chosen and picked from heaven by the angels of god and there's like this lottery system in heaven that they have this ball running all the time and now another ball comes out now serving number 168 it's number 168 here you're entitled to free healing you have a get out of jail free card ready and available for you today if the devil can get you to believe that you're going to stay bound you're going to stay sick you're going to continue on in this perpetual vicious cycle of destruction of disease of trouble of tribulation i want you to understand this one thing my brother and sister first john chapter 5 and verse 4 says that whatever is born of God, whoever is born of God by faith in Christ has overcome the world. God's plan for you is not to be an undercomer, it's to be an overcomer. God's plan for you is not to be under the devil's foot, it's to have the devil under your foot. God's plan for you is not to be scraping the bottom of the barrel, it's for you to be above always and never beneath, to be the head always and never the tail. David said it this way, when the Lord is my shepherd, this is what should follow. He will lead me into a realm of no lack a realm of abundance a realm of plenty he leads me by still waters he makes me to lie down in green pastures in places of abundance yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil because i know that his rod and his staff they're comforting me and they're leading me into a desired place he anoints my head with oil my cup runs over he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies and goodness listen to this he finishes off by saying goodness and mercy shall chase me down all the days of my life the bible says in psalm 81 in verse 10 if you will open up your mouth wide i will fill it oh had you listened to me had you walked in my ways I would have turned my hand against your adversaries and I would have plagued those that hate you 
And I would have fed you with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock, I would have satisfied you. So God is saying, if you'll listen to me, you don't have to go the way the world goes. There's another way. There's another path. There's another trajectory that you can jump on that is upward and forward. The Bible says the fear of the Lord windeth upward for the wise. When you follow God's word and live in the fear of God, it always turns you upward. It always leads you forward. God will never lead you backwards. God will never lead you to a less place. God will never lead you to a worse place. God will always lead you into a better place for you, for your family, for your children, for your finances, for your health. You look at anybody that hooked up with God in the Bible. He didn't bring him down. David didn't get anointed with oil and then the stuff really hit the fan. David didn't get anointed with oil and then all of a sudden he, he pretty much lived out his days as a shepherd boy, never had any relevancy, nobody wanted anything to do with him. He was the odd guy that lived in a cave somewhere. That's not the story of David. David got anointed, David hooked up with God and then in one chapter from 1 Samuel 16 to 1 Samuel 17, he's killing Goliath, he's already killed a bear, he's already killed a lion and he's being heralded as the champion of Israel and they changed the national anthem of Israel from Saul has killed his thousands to David has killed ten thousands when you hook up with God it is a decision to move forward and I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you've made that decision if you haven't you'll have an opportunity at the end of this broadcast well I'm going to pray that you'll hook up with God where we're going to lead you into a prayer where you can have your sins forgiven your debt canceled and you can start a brand new life for if any man is in Christ he's a new creation old things passed away everything that you had done passed away everything that had um, accumulated in your past lifestyle it passed away and everything becomes new so what does the bible say we have the same word of god available to everybody but why is it that some people are experiencing the reality of way more things listed out in god's word than others god does not show favoritism you have to understand this, this today. God does not show any favoritism. He doesn't have any uh, favorites. He doesn't have his best buds. And then, you know, the rest are just relegated to uh, clumped up in the same bunch of numbers that you're just a number to God and then God has a select few that he knows by name the Bible says when he called you he called you out by name he knows your name he knows the hairs on your head he knows your, he knows when you rise up he knows when you sit down he knows your thoughts from afar the Bible says how great and precious are the thoughts of God towards you God is like abnormally like almost weirdly obsessed with you God loves you the Bible says that he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life so it has nothing to do with God selecting his favorites it has everything to do that you know God doesn't show partiality he doesn't have favorite people however God does favor hunger God does favor faith because without faith you cannot please God but when you have faith he that comes to God and believes God is entitled to be richly rewarded Hebrews eleven six says they that diligently seek God in faith will be greatly rewarded so God doesn't show partiality based on persons he shows favoritism based on faith if you have faith God is magnetized to faith God is attracted by faith God moves when faith is being exercised God's hands are bound when people are in unbelief but God's hands are loose to do what he promised to do when you operate in Bible level faith 
So this is what Peter says. So we have these exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. Verse 5, but also for this very reason, give all diligence. So not casually do this, not haphazardly do this, not do it when you feel like doing this, not just glance over this, give all diligence. Give it everything you've got. Paul told Timothy, therefore, meditate entirely on the word of God. Give yourself entirely to it so your progress can become evident to all. You'll never have evident progress in the things of God. You'll never have a progression of faith into higher levels of faith unless you throw yourself into the word of God. Unless you give yourself entirely to it. God has no interest in Taking people to higher levels when you're half in it. There's no, you can't be half foot in the world and half foot in the church and expect to taste and see of the blessings and goodness of God. You're either all in or you're not in at all. Jesus said it this way. To him that has, has what? Has a drive to move forward, more shall be given. He'll be entitled to very much. To him who has no desire to press into the things of God, even what he thinks he has will be stripped away and he'll have nothing. But I believe that God has drawn to this broadcast today, not the latter type of person that they, they they don't have a desire to you wouldn't be watching this unless you had a drive to see God move in your life to see the miraculous at work in your life to see your faith grow so you can be a giant of the faith you know what happens when there's no faith when there's little faith in people they're constantly depending on others for breakthrough constantly depending upon a pastor constantly depending upon a person constantly depending upon the next revival meeting constantly depending upon the next conference that's going to happen the next guest speaker that's coming into their church they're always looking to men they've made men idols they're falling prey into idolatry but jesus said i'm going now so that not that you have to go to another man i'm the high priest of your confession you can draw near to god by yourself with a true assurance of faith so your ability to draw near to god when you have no faith you're going to want to draw near to men but i want to remind you jeremiah 17 says that cursed is the man who puts his trust in man cursed is the man who puts his trust and his strength in man and in the flesh of man in the help of man david said it this way some trust in chariots some trust in horses some trust in the abundance of soldiers they have in an army but i'm gonna boast in the lord i'm gonna make my boast in god and in the god of my salvation i shall trust he said it in psalm 66 it says or Psalm 68, my soul wait thou only upon God for mine expectation is from him alone. You have to set your expectation to God alone because man's going to disappoint you. Man is going to fail you. Man is going to leave you hanging. Man is going to leave you struggling. Man is going to constantly bring you through a cycle of defeat. But if you'll put your trust in God, those that put their trust in the Lord shall never be disappointed. David said it this way in Psalm 114, uh, no, Psalm 122 that those that are that trust in the Lord they are like men they are like Mount Zion they can never be shaken Psalm 124 they can never be shaken but they live and abide forever so if you want to catch this is why I'm doing this broadcast I'm tired of people of Christians and I'm not tired in a bad way I'm not tired of it in like this angry way I'm not angry at people I'm angry at the devil that keeps them in this cycle this vicious cycle I'm tired of people constantly 
having a destabilized life. They're constantly looking for deliverance. They're constantly needing a, another breakthrough. When if you follow the way of faith, if you'll keep to the path of faith, the Bible says he always leads you to triumph in all things by Christ Jesus unto himself. God leads you, leads you in victory. The life of faith is a life of victory. The life of faith is a decision to live a life of triumph. You don't have to be up and down and all around. You don't have to dwell around that mountain for 40 years. People always say, oh, I must be in my wilderness. You know, God brought the Israelites through the wilderness before he got them to the promise. God didn't bring the people of Israel through the wilderness by choice he brought them there because their own rebellion he said these people constantly go astray in their hearts they're constantly moving away from me they're rebellious people they fall astray they don't want anything to do with me and so i said in my wrath they will not enter into my rest but if you read hebrews 4 that deals with that specific topic god says but you labor diligently in my word so that you can enter into my rest there is a rest reserved for people of faith and people of faith alone it's a place of rest it's a place of peace it's a, i'm not saying the devil leaves you alone i'm not saying that you'll never have a, a, another problem in your life i'm not saying the challenge won't arise after you hear this message today i'm saying a, a personal faith i don't know if i said this on tuesday on uh, last thursday broadcast but i feel like saying this again the difference between a giant of faith and someone who gets squashed constantly, they're both Christians, they both have hearts for God, they're both passionate about God, they both love God, but the difference between one who's a giant of faith that constantly has seen victory, always has a testimony in hand, always has joy on their face, and the other one that it seems like they're being battered and bruised is not because God has selected one for blessing and the other for cursing, it's because one has made the decision to grow and develop their faith and then to lose to release that faith and to actually believe God not just say they believe God but actually believe God and the other one has, has not taken the responsibility upon themselves to, to grow the faith to, to loose that faith to actually walk in faith you see you can say you have all the faith in the world in your heart but if that faith just stays in your heart the only thing it's going to do is get you to heaven one day that's and actually not even that because Romans 10 says if you have faith in your heart you have to confess with your mouth to be saved so it has nothing to do with just having all the faith in your heart you have to learn to release that faith in practical ways so as to see the breakthrough to see the victory so that's why i'm taking time to do this because i don't want you to go through cycle after cycle of of of, of being a victim of the devil of constantly having hard times in life jesus didn't say come to me all that are weary and heavy laden and i'm going to show you how hard life gets when you serve me he said come to me all that are weary and heavy laden and i'll give you rest so there's a rest for the people of god the bible says we labor diligently in the word of god so that we may enter into the rest and the way you're gonna the, the the reason for laboring proverbs says he that labors labors for himself for his hungry mouth drives him on so if you're not hungry to move to the next level, you might as well X out of this broadcast right now. If you're not hungry to see more of God in your life, then you might as well X out of this broadcast right now. If you're not hungry to have strong faith, you know, the Bible says that there are people that have no faith and they have much fear. There's people that have little faith 
and they're constantly struggling. Then there's people that have great faith, and then there's someone in the Bible, the centurion servant, who had marvelous faith. And you can see the difference in every one of those stories. The one that had no faith had no results. The ones that had little faith had little results. Those that had great faith had great results. And then those that had marvelous faith had marvelous results. I believe you're entering into that realm of faith today, the realm of marvelous faith, that as you believe God from his word and speak it, you will see it happen in your life. As you speak it, you will see it. As you say it, it shall come to pass. For the scripture says, when men say there's a casting down, you that are in the faith will say, no, there is a lifting up. That's why I believe more than ever, because of the times that we're living in, you need to develop strong faith. Because if anything, COVID 2020, what it showed us, what it showed the church is that many people are really hanging on by a thread. Many people are basically held on by a floss level thread. And that's what Jesus said. Those that hear the word, but the moment tribulation or trouble rises up because of the word, they immediately fall away. They immediately forget everything they've learned. They immediately wither and stumble and fall. But God doesn't want that to be you. God, I want you to be like Matthew 7. Jesus said, those who hear these words of mine and doeth them, not just hear them and say, oh, bless, what a great word that was today, brother. I don't care if you think it's a great word or a bad word. I want you to get this word in your heart because the blessing doesn't come to the hearer alone the blessing comes to those that hear the word and put it in its application for jesus said those that hear it and don't do it those that just clap for the word praise the lord but do nothing about it those that constantly hear jesus saying let down your net on the right side of the boat but they don't let down their nets on the right side of the boat they're not going to catch the fish but those that hear the word and doeth it they are wise god says they're the people that are wise and they will be like a house built upon a rock that when the waves come when the rain comes, when the winds blow and beat against the house, the house will never fall. Challenges in life are inevitable. They come to everyone for free. You don't have to ask for them. Challenges and problems will come. But defeat is an option for a child of God. You can either choose to build your house upon the world's thoughts and opinions upon conformity to this world's patterns of doing things or you can do like jesus said and build your house upon his word build your house upon his thoughts because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts his ways are higher than our ways and when you build your your house on man's ways then man has to sustain you man has to keep you up man has to help you and the help of man david said is useless but when you build your house upon the word of god god's word sustains you god's word upholds you god's word keeps you up and you're guaranteed never to fall you're not guaranteed never to have something come your way to try and make you fall but you're guaranteed never to fall for the bible says when the whirlwind passes by the wicked are no more but the righteous and that's you if you're in christ jesus the righteous have an everlasting foundation so peter says for this reason give all diligence add to your faith add to your faith you can add to your faith. I want you to write that out in the comment section. I can add to my faith. And if you're just tuning in now, you do a great help to me and the others that will hear this broadcast as you share it today. Share this broadcast. Help me get this word out to as many people as possible because I want this to disrupt and cast down 
every misconception hell has set up in people's lives because there's far too many people that are praying for faith and faith doesn't come by praying not once in the scripture do you find jesus telling his disciples just keep praying for faith and it'll eventually come it doesn't come that way faith does not come by by just struggling and going through things oh had i not gone through that i wouldn't have had that faith that that's not how faith comes faith does not come except And I'm going to go through four ways you can develop your faith. And number one is faith does not come except by hearing the rhema of God. Hearing the word of God. But before I do that, you have to be hungry for an increase in faith. And the way you stir up your hunger is by doing what? Finding out the value of faith. Why should I increase my faith? Why should I develop my faith? What is in it for me? If I grow my faith in God today, how will it help me? What will be the difference, the distinction? Before you can do the what, you have to find out the why. Many people are not determined to do the what because they don't know the why. Some people don't eat, they just let it off to random. They just, you know, well, if God wants to give me faith, he'll do it. It's his sovereign choice. They say that, they talk like that because they don't know why You should increase your faith. What the the value is in having strong faith. I want to go through 10 things I wrote down before I get into the four ways to grow your faith. 10 things that I wrote down, 10 values of faith, 10 things that faith brings to a man that without faith, you'd never have any of these 10 things. Number one, you're saved by faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, by, faith are, by grace are we saved through faith. You cannot get saved without faith. So just based on that, now we're not trying to grow our faith so we can get more saved. When you're saved, you're saved. You can't get more saved. You can't be less saved. There's not people that are more saved than others. You're either saved or you're not. But God put such a value on faith That without it, you can't even get saved. You cannot enter. You can't cross over into heaven without it in your life. Number two, by faith, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1.24, by faith we stand. So you can't even stand without faith. You'll constantly be destabilized. You'll constantly be falling. You'll always be on rocky ground, rocky soil without faith at work in your life. there'll be no stability in your life. There'll be nothing established in you without faith at work. The Bible says, number three, we understand by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse three, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So we, we understand things by faith. We can't understand anything we can't understand the fall of man without faith we can't understand the 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 doctrine of salvation without faith we can't understand anything that this bible has unless we're ready and willing to receive it by faith number four mark five thirty four says you are healed by faith jesus told the woman with the issue of blood she heard about jesus and when she heard about jesus faith grew in her And then she didn't just have faith alive in her heart. She pressed on to say, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I know I will be made well. And when she reached out and grabbed the hem of his garment, virtue flowed from Jesus into her body and 12 years of affliction ended that day. Jesus turned and said, daughter, thy faith has made thee well. You cannot receive healing unless it's on the basis and the grounds of faith. Faith is the foundation on which healing grows in your life without faith 
Jesus in Nazareth. He came. There were sick people in Nazareth just like there were sick people in Capernaum. There were sick people in Nazareth just like there were sick people in Jericho. There were sick people in Nazareth just like there were sick people everywhere else Jesus went in the villages and in the cities, in the marketplace and they touched him and as many as touched him in faith were made well. But the Bible says when he came to Nazareth, he could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. Unbelief cut the flow of the miracle working power of God so that it couldn't reach the people of Nazareth. It's not that God didn't like the people of Nazareth. It's not that Jesus grew up with some hostile people in Nazareth and he wanted to come back and show him what he was doing in other cities. But he said, I'm not going to do it for you because of the way you, 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 uh, you raised me in this city, in this community. I never felt like I was accepted. And so because he was hostile towards Nazareth, he said, I'm not going to do any mighty work. No, he had a will. He came to Nazareth to do miracles. He came came to Nazareth, Nazareth to heal people. He came to Nazareth to do everything he had done everywhere else. But they, they determined the results that they had because they did not believe. God is not, this is going to really hurt some religious people, but God is not necessarily in charge with the outcome of your life. I said it. Because if you really understand it, God desires none to be to, to, to go to hell, but all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But people, God's will is for all to be saved. But why is it that some people go to hell and some people don't come to the knowledge of the truth? It's not because God didn't want them to make heaven. They chose to reject. Jesus told the Pharisees, you have rejected the will of God for yourselves in that you don't believe. You have rejected it. So faith is accepting God's will and acting on God's will. Unbelief is rejecting God's will and refusing to act on God's word. And be, based on how you react to God's word is what determines how God acts in your situation. Your reaction to God's word is what determines God's reaction towards you. If you react in unbelief, God will react the same way he did towards the Nazarenes. But if you react in faith, God will react the same way he did to the woman with the issue of blood. And you'll be healed, you'll be delivered, you'll be set free. So the outcome of your life is not left in God's hands. God has made all things available. We read it in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. All things that pertain in life and godliness, he has made available to us who believe he's made available to us the the resources of heaven are available to everybody however joshua said i've set life and death before you blessings and cursings oh that you would choose life some people don't choose life so you can't even be healed by faith number five you cannot have your prayers answered without faith the Bible says in James 1, let him ask in faith, not doubting, for he that doubts is like the waves of the sea. Tossed to and fro, let not that man expect to receive anything from the Lord. You can't even receive answered prayers unless faith is at work. Prayer is not faith in itself. There's many that pray in unbelief. Even the man that came to Jesus with his boy in Mark chapter 9 said, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. So he was praying in unbelief. Your prayers will not be answered unless the key ingredient is placed into your prayer, which is faith. Faith is what activates God's power to go to work, to do the things that he promised to do when you would pray. But without faith, the Bible says you can't even please God. Without faith, you I mean... I, it doesn't matter how much you pray. The, 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 the reason God answers prayers is not based on how much you pray or the volume of how loud you are when you pray. People think that by their many repetitions, they're going to have God to hear them. Almost like you can manipulate God, bypass faith and manipulate God to get the same outcome 
as if you had no, uh, as though you had faith. You can't do that. God will not be manipulated. God will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If you sow in faith, you'll reap the miracle harvest that God's word promises. But if you sow in unbelief, you're going to reap thorns and thistles and thorny bushes. It won't help you one bit. So the fact that you are praying is good, but that's not faith. Faith is not just praying. The act of faith is not just praying because there's many that pray in unbelief. The act of faith is, Lord, this is what your word says. I believe it. I refuse to see the things I'm seeing continue on in life. I bring to remembrance everything you've promised me and I call it done by faith in Jesus' name. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four. therefore, when you pray, believe. Mark eleven twenty four. whatsoever things ye believe when you pray, what things soever ye desire, believe when you pray and you shall have them. So it doesn't say whatsoever things ye desire, pray about them and you'll have them. It says what things soever ye desire, believe when you pray and you will have them. So prayer on its own is not going to bring a harvest of miracles. It's faith and prayer. Without faith, answered prayers will never come. Number six, access to grace is by faith. Romans 5.2 says we have access into this grace by faith in which we stand. So we... You can't even receive God's grace. And what's grace? Grace is spiritual empowerment to do what God's called you to do. Paul said, this grace has been given unto me. And by this grace, I have labored more than all the other apostles, yet not I, but the grace of God laboring within me. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Grace is spiritual empowerment that transforms you to walk as Christ on the earth. To walk in the power of Christ on the earth. I'm not going, don't go off and leave this broadcast saying, G, uh, TJ said that I'm Jesus Christ. No. But grace empowers you to live as Christ, to imitate Christ. The Bible says, as beloved children, imitate God. Imitate God as beloved children. My child, anything I say, he does. I, I was talking to my wife this morning and I said the word, I, I, I was like, I saw a news article and I was like, ah, shut up. And then my kids started going around saying, shut up, shut up, shut up. He just repeats anything you say. And I said, no, 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 we don't say that. He's only two years old. He's already saying that. So I have to put him in his place. However, it was my fault. Children want to imitate their father. We're children of God. We want to imitate our father who is God. And God is a faith God. And as such, we are faith children. When God wanted to create the world, how did he do it? He spoke, let there be light, and there was light. He called those things which be not as though they were. We are faith children. Jesus said that we are to believe on him who raised Christ from the dead. The Bible says very clearly that the works you see me do, ye shall do as you believe. Believe, it's faith, you have to believe. But when you do believe, spiritual grace is bestowed on you to live in the power of God. To imitate God. Number seven, please God by faith. You cannot please God by faith. Hebrews eleven six. we said it already. Without faith, you cannot please God. Number eight, subdue kingdoms by faith. The kingdoms of darkness, principalities, powers, they are subdued by faith. How, we know, how do we know that? Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 33 says that through faith, we subdued kingdoms. We have wrought righteousness. We have obtained promises. We have out of weakness become strong. And we have quenched the violence of fire and turned to flight the, the armies of aliens. Excuse me. So the Bible says that we 
subdue kingdoms. What does subdue mean? It means to bring to naught. It means to destroy. It means to strike them down. It means to overwhelmingly conquer these things. Faith is what empowers you to conquer demonic things. Number nine, we receive strength by faith. Hebrews 11, 11 says, by faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. The Bible says in Romans 4, that Abraham grew strong in faith. So you actually are strengthened by faith. I, I have been around people that don't have faith. People that are Christians, they'll make heaven, but they have a very li uh, limited level of faith, low level of faith. They have a very uh, depleted reservoir of faith and they are not happy people. And as a result, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Remember, not Nehemiah 8.8. Nehemiah 8.11. So if there's no joy at work and joy is a product of faith, you're not going to have strength. Joy comes when faith comes alive. And when joy and faith are alive, strength naturally follows. And these people are very down people. When, they, when you don't have faith in God's word, Jeremiah said, Thy words were found and I did eat them and they became to me the joy and gladness of my heart. Uh, Proverbs 4.22 uh, says, Listen to my words, adhere to my sayings, for it is life to them that find it, and healing to all their, their, their flesh, strength to their bones. Listen to my word, God said, and it'll be strength to your bones. It literally imparts divine strength, divine nature into you, so that you can run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. Number nine, we receive strength by faith. Number ten, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. So the quality of life that you have is determined by the quality of faith that you have in your heart. What you see out there is a product of what faith is in here. What you enjoy in life is not determined by God. I've said that before. It's determined by the quality of faith that you have and release in life. The devil has no ability to keep you down. He's already defeated. God didn't say my people are destroyed because there's a big devil at work. God didn't say my people are destroyed because I, I have different plans for them. God didn't say my people are destroyed because they, you know, they've, they've, um, they, they've really gone through a hard time and I'm trying to teach them something. My people are destroyed because of one thing. They're cut off because of a lack of knowledge. Which leads me to point one on how to grow your faith. Why do you want to grow your faith? There was a, a story David Young Cho said uh, in his book, I think it's called The Fourth Dimension. And he said that there was a man once, he was watching and observing as he was fishing on a pier. And he would catch these massive fish and throw them back into the water. But then when he would catch about 10 inch fish and, and less, he would keep them. And so he was perplexed because normally, naturally you want to have the bigger fish, it feeds more people. And so he went to him and he said, why is it that you are throwing the bigger fish back into the sea, but you're keeping the smaller fish 10 inches and, young, and, and smaller? And the man replied, because my frying pan is only 10 inches. And Davy Young Cho said, I learned something that day. You can't receive anything from God beyond your capacity to believe him for. Your capacity of faith is what sets the boundaries as to what God will do for you. Your capacity of faith. Your, God is not limited by anything outside of the limitations of our own unbelief. It's unbelief that limits God. It's little faith that limits God to doing little things. 
But when you stretch that faith and grow that faith so that you don't have a 10-inch frying pan, but you have a 100-inch frying pan and then a 100-foot frying pan if it ever did exist, you now can take whatever catch of fish. If a whale came in, you could take it in. God has whale-sized blessings for you. But because of a small frying pan that can only fit a 10-inch sea bass, you're limited as to what you can see. But today, as I go through these four things, as I'm preaching, just like Ezekiel 2.2 says, and the Spirit entered me as He spake unto me, and He lifted me on my feet. When you speak the Word of God, as I speak the Word of God, don't just seek to be informed. Don't just receive the Logos, receive the Rhema that is going to grow your faith and expand your ability and your capacity to receive not small blessings. I'm not interested in small blessings because I have a big God. He said, now unto him who's able to do far more abundantly all that you can ask, think, or imagine. He can do far more abundantly all that we can ask, think, or imagine. Let's stretch our imagination. Let's stretch our faith. Let's stretch our capacity to believe God for the impossible. I'm not, I don't want, I, I've seen God heal stomach problems. I want to see God heal stomach cancers and I've seen that happen. I want to see God raise the dead. I want to stretch my faith to believe God, not just for little harvests, but for great harvests of souls. I don't want to just, you know, release my faith to see a, a one town shaken as I go out and preach. I want to see national awakening. I want, you can believe God for whatsoever things he desires. As long as it's in this book, you can believe God. Don't believe God for, for, for much when you can believe him for most. Don't believe God for much when you can believe him for maximum. Don't believe God for much. Somebody needs to hear that today. Do not believe God for much when you can believe him for maximum. God is not moved by your little cheap religious prayers when you say, Lord, if you'll just do this one thing. Oh God, I'm not asking for all of that. Just this part. God's not moved by that. He's like, that, that, that actually irritates him. It's an insult. He's saying, I can do, I'm the God of all flesh i can do anything he made the the world by his outstretched arm and strength and power is anything too difficult for god let's stop praying prayers that man can answer and start praying prayers that only god can answer and that faith to pray those prayers is going to be imparted into your being today and you're never going to be the same number one how does faith grow faith grows by hearing the word of god romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Now there's thing, we're going to break that down. Faith comes by hearing. The first time hearing is spoken of in that. In the Greek it literally says to audibly hear. The second time. That's why Paul said hearing and hearing. Hearing and hearing. So he's not like being repetitive. Because he, you know, he kind of forgot what he was saying. And then he got back on track. He's saying hearing first time is audibly receiving the word. Hearing the second time is receiving it in your heart. And understanding the word that you're reading. Remember in Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch was reading Isaiah chapter 53, where it says that he was the suffering servant. Jesus Christ bore our sickness, carried our pains. It pleased God to crush him, because by his obedience, many would be justified. He was laid down for our transgressions. He was, laid, he was raised up for our justification. The Ethiopian eunuch kept on reading that. He kept on studying it he probably memorized it he had a long chariot ride home and he kept on pondering and meditating wondering what the heck does this mean but nothing worked he didn't get saved he didn't get blessed he didn't get receive joy of salvation from just reading it but then the bible says philip was transported by the holy spirit and us laid aside 
right by the chariot of the Ethiopian eunuch. And the Lord said, join yourself into the chariot. When he got there, he heard him reading from Isaiah 53. And he asked the Ethiopian eunuch, do you understand what you are reading? And the eunuch replied, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So I want you to understand because the Ethiopian eunuch didn't understand what he was reading, he had no faith to believe God for what God did through Jesus Christ. He had no, no ability to believe God for salvation. He could have read Isaiah 53 his whole life and died and gone to hell because it wasn't mixed with understanding. Faith is not just being able to memorize the word of God. It's not just quoting the word of God. There are many people, there are theologians. Understand this, theologians is theos logos. It's the study of God's word. There are many people that study God's word that don't believe it. They, there's people that aren't even believers in Christ, that aren't even saved. But they're, 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 they're mesmerized by ancient documents and Bible, and they read it, and they study it. But they don't get saved. They're not blessed. They haven't turned from their sin. They haven't repented. They just theos logos. They study God's word. Romans 10, 17 says, you have to understand, it doesn't say logos, the word of God. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. The rhema is the quickened word. It's the understood word. It's the word that like when Paul, uh, Peter told Jesus, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus turned to Peter and said, blessed are you, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this unto you. Your mental capacity didn't reveal this unto you. Your education didn't bring this revelation. Only my father in heaven could do that. That's what rhema is. Rhema is the quickening spirit of God, quickening the word of God to your understanding. So it, it's like getting lit. It's like lighting up. That's why the Ethiopian eunuch, the moment that he understood Isaiah 53, he, Philip didn't even have to ask him to be baptized. The eunuch turned to Philip and said, hey, there's a body of water. Can I get baptized? I believe. Philip said, do you really believe with all your heart? Absolutely. So because understanding of the word came into his heart, faith came alive, Rhema came alive, he was quickened to take action on the word of God. He said, I repent and I believe. So it's not just hearing that God wants to heal you. There's many people that have read that. There's many people that read books on that. There's many people that have read Matthew 8, 1 through 3, that talks about the, um, that talks about the leper that came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus said, I am willing, be thou made clean. Be thou made cleansed. And the Bible says that he was healed from that self-same hour. He was touched. Jesus touched the leper and he was healed. So that settled the account. God wills to heal all. Many have heard that. Many have read that. Many even will say God wills to heal all. But it's not really in their heart. Faith is not in your mind. Your mind's the wayside. The, the seed can be snatched away. Your mind is the stony ground. It can be corrupted. Your mind is the, the, the thorny ground that can be choked up and produce nothing. But your heart, your heart, that's the fertile soil. That's where when the seed is sown, it produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. And Jesus said in Matthew 13, according to their understanding. So he that hears the word and understandeth it, he is the one that had the seed sown on the fertile soil that hears the word and produces 30, 60, and 100 fold fruit. So faith cometh by hearing, understanding the rhema, the quickened word of God. Jesus said, these words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. You cannot, and I repeat, you cannot receive faith beyond your actual knowledge of the word of God. You can't believe God for something you don't even know God offers. It doesn't work that way. I cannot believe the government is going to do something for me that they haven't said that they would do. You know, I can't just go 
and take uh, advantage of some benefit that the government hasn't promised to do, promised to perform. You can't just walk up and just demand a bunch of things that the government's never promised to do. In the same vein, you can't, you can't have faith beyond what God's already revealed from his word that he would do for you. That's why it's imperative to study, to show thyself approved. A workman who need not be ashamed, accurately dividing the word of truth. Joshua 1.8, the Bible says, this book of the law should never depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Be acclimated with it. Let me read this. This came into my spirit on Sunday when I was reading, and it just came back into my spirit right now. Job chapter 22. Listen to what the Bible says. Job chapter 22 and verse 21. Now acquaint yourself with God and be at peace, and thereby good will come to you. Receive, please, instruction from his mouth and lay up his word in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. You will remove sin from your tents, far from your tents. You'll lay up gold like dust, the gold of Ophir among the stones of the brooks. Yes, the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. Then you'll have delight in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. Then you'll make your prayer to God and he will hear you and you will pay your vows. You will declare a thing and it will be established unto you and light will shine on your ways. Then when men say there's a casting down, you will say exaltation will come and he will save the humble person. So Job 22 verses 21 through 29 says that we are to acquaint ourselves with God. How do you acquaint yourself with God? By his word. God's word is who he is. And what God said he will do, he will do. God meant what he said and he said what he meant. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. But he, what he said he would do, he would bring to pass. And what he has declared, shall he will make good on it. So you can't have faith. You cannot exercise faith beyond your knowledge of the word of God. Your faith is going to be greatly limited by ignorance or will know no bounds as you study the word of God. Because everything God's word says, all the promises of God, are converted into the power of God when you believe. But the power of God can't come on the scene unless you know what the promise of God is. I can't believe God for healing unless I know God wants to heal me and he's able to heal me. Can't believe God for financial prosperity unless I know God wants to prosper me and that God's willing to prosper me. And he's able to do it. I can't believe God for salvation. There are people that will die and go to hell because they don't know God sent Jesus to die for all. Of, you know, Jesus died for all the sins of all the people of this world. But some are ignorant of that. They've never heard that. And they'll die and go to hell as a consequence of that. That's why we have to go and tell. That's why Jesus said, go ye therefore and speak. Go and tell the world. Go and speak and preach the gospel to all creation. So there's people that because of their ignorance of heart, are alienated from the power of God. Strangers to the covenants of God. Set aside, cut off from God's richest blessings. But on the flip side, when you receive the word, and you believe God carries integrity, 
You believe God is immutable. He doesn't change. You believe God is unchangeable. You believe that he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You believe that he is not a man that he should lie. You believe that there, it's an impossibility with God to even lie. That he's honored his word above his name. That even if all men are faithless, God abides faithful, ready and willing to perform his word on behalf of those who believe. You believe God is standing over his word, watching over his word to perform it. Then... On the flip side, you have faith now to release it, to obey his word, and then God's power goes to work to accomplish the very thing you're believing him to accomplish. Ezekiel 37, he comes to a valley full of dry bones. And God said, can these bones live again? Ezekiel didn't have a word. He didn't, it's not like God had ever done that before. So he didn't have a word from God to say, well, yeah, obviously you're the God of the... He didn't do that. He said, Lord, you know. Lord, you know, I haven't heard from you if you're going to do it yet. I don't know your will concerning this situation, but I know you know, so you deal with the situation. Do you know what God said? He said, prophesy to the dry bones, and he gave his will to Ezekiel for those dry bones. When Ezekiel now had the understanding of God's word for the dry bones, faith came alive and he prophesied. He began to speak it because faith is voice, act, voice activated, and that's when things started to turn. So if you're ignorant of the word of God, the Bible says their ignorance of heart and their blindness of their minds has robbed them, has robbed them, has robbed them. That's why Jesus, why do you think he spent so much time teaching, preaching, and then healing? He didn't get straight into the healing. He had to build the people's faith to receive healing. So I take time to do this broadcast. That's when I go and preach. You know, people, why does he have to preach 40 minutes? Why does he have to preach an hour? First of all, I don't preach 40 minutes. I preach much longer than that. But why does he have to preach so long? Because those are unspiritual people. Those are carnal people. That's why Paul said, when I came to you, I couldn't come with meat. I had to come with milk because you were still babes. But there has to come a time where you move on to the meat. Because you have to understand that preaching is a spiritual thing. That builds up your inner man, your spirit man. To believe God for the impossible. To believe God for the, for, for the impossible. I want to read Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 but from the Amplified Version. Listen to this. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the assurance, title deed, and confirmation of the things hoped for. Divinely guaranteed. So... How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. We understood that. We've established that. Now, Hebrews is saying, the faith that comes by the word of God is the assurance, is the title deed. So what you see written out in God's word is actually God giving you a title deed of what already is in your possession. That's why you have people that um, they're asking God time and time again for things they already own. And that's why they don't have their prayers answered because it's not really prayer they need. It's faith activated to receive what's already been dropped into their hands. If I as a father told my son, next Saturday, I'm going to buy you a brand new blue bike. Next Saturday, I'm going to buy you a brand new blue bike. My son would be jumping and running every single day till next Saturday, fully expecting, fully believing, fully living in expectation that next Saturday he'll have a brand new blue bike ready for him to ride and to enjoy. He has a right to believe it because I've spoken it and I'm a man of my word. If I never told him that I was going to give him a brand new, brand new bike next Saturday, 
a brand new blue bike next Saturday at 11 a.m., then he would have no ability to expect it. He would, he would not be happy throughout the week. He would not be Xing out the days on the calendar looking forward to Saturday at 11 a.m. because there would be no expectation built because I never gave him reason to expect it. The word of God is God giving you reason to expect everything that he has a desire to put into your hands. The word of God builds up your expectation, which is your faith. So people say, well, you know, we shouldn't really believe God for healing because, you know, don't expect to be healed. Just trust it in his hands. That doesn't make any sense because God didn't say I heal at will and at random. God said, I am Jehovah Rapha. And he went, Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Jesus said to the leper, I will be made whole. The Bible says Jesus was the exact, exact representation of the nature and will of God. So we can see that Jesus healed. That means God's will is to heal. And God doesn't show favoritism. His will is always to heal in every case, in every situation, no matter who, no matter what. He's, his will is healing. Because of that, I have now an expectation to receive that healing based on the fact that God's word says it. And God is not a liar. God has integrity. What he said he will do, he will do. So if he had never said those things, then we could really say God sovereignly should, will heal who he desires to heal. But the fact that he has said those things builds up our expectation and faith to believe him for those things. And we don't have to fall victim to religious junk that says if he wills, then so be it. He wills. He said it. He put it in black and white and sometimes in red. And he already said forever that word is settled in the heaven. God's word is settled in heaven. When you choose to believe it, it gets settled in your life. It gets settled in your body the word of God gets settled all around you God's word being settled in heaven will do you no good until it's settled with you and the way it gets settled with you is when you come as I've been saying to fully understand what has already been written so faith is the title deed if I had a title deed what's a title deed it's a paper I'll give another example a, a pink slip for cars if you have a pink slip uh, for your car doesn't matter who pulls you over they can't accuse you of stealing that car your name's on the pink slip the pink slip matches your driver's license it belongs to you it's registered to you nobody can take that car from you nobody can accuse you of stealing it nobody can say that car does not belong to you it's yours the word of god is our pink slip it shows us exactly what belongs to us because of what christ did for us the Bible says God has qualified to become an inheritance of everything that the word of God promises us in light. Because of Christ, through Christ, we have become heirs of all things that the word of God promises us. The word of God is our title deed. It is our pink slip showing us what is already in our possession, what we have ownership over, what belongs to us. Remember, Jesus, the Bible says, was the son of God. We, by the spirit, who testifies with our spirits, have become children of God. If children, then we are joint heirs with Christ. We're joint heirs. Everything Christ became an heir of through his death, burial, and resurrection, we are joint heirs with. So that now when we read the word, we don't have to wonder whether it belongs to us. Because of Christ, we have been branched in 
to the covenant of God. We've been plugged in. We abide in him. He abides in us. John 4, 15, 7, Jesus said it this way. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you desire from my word and it will be given you. So now you can see faith is not some spiritual mystery in the heavens. It's not some ethereal force. It's not some magical power that just comes on you at will. That's not what faith is. Faith is a living force driven, imparted by the living word that produces living proofs. Faith is not you feeling something. Faith is not you sensing something faith is in knowing faith they always say faith is stepping out into the unknown no it's quite the opposite faith is stepping out into the things that you do know listed out in god's word faith is stepping into the known world of god when you have little you know jesus said in uh, matthew chapter 16 to his disciples you of little faith why do you reason amongst yourselves that you have no bread so when you have little faith and no faith you're always reasoning you're always reasoning trying to like make it happen trying to like think how could this work how could that work trying to like the world says use wisdom which i'm not against wisdom but faith is the highest level of wisdom that you can operate in and so jesus said you have little faith and so you're reasoning you're trying to reason it out but the bible says in proverbs 3 5 and 6 trust in the lord with all your heart lean not on your own reasoning and God will direct your paths. So when you have little faith, you're always reasoning and you're held in the arena of reason and in logic. And the devil will whip you every single day of the week in the arena of reason. But when you get into the arena of faith, the devil doesn't have an answer. He doesn't know what to do. He can't wrestle you. He can't fight you. He can't beat you. That's why Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Because if you'll fight to stay in faith, it doesn't say fight the devil, it doesn't say fight demons. It says fight to stay in faith. Fight to remain in faith. And then you'll lay hold of everything God's promised you. Number, way, number one way faith cometh is by hearing the word of God. You have to receive God's word as an absolute. David said, all thy word concerning all things I consider to be right. I don't care what man thinks about the word. I don't care if they think I'm crazy. I don't care if they mock me. I don't care if they scoff at me. I don't care if they think I've lost my mind. Faith is foolishness to the carnal mind, but faith is the power of God unto the spiritual mind. Faith is foolishness to the carnal mind, but faith is the power of God to the spiritual mind. Faith looks crazy to people that don't have it. But to people that do have it, they applaud you. They understand what you're doing. You know, when Jesus at the wedding of Cana of Galilee said the water pots need to be filled with water, they could have easily have complained. That's crazy. We don't need water. We need wine. We don't need water. That's even, those are purifying pots. People have washed their hands in that all day long. You want us to go and fill that with water and serve it to people? Are you crazy? Jesus said, just do it. When they went and acted, when they did the ridiculous God went to work and did the miraculous. And remember, you know, go, sticking on point one, and, and it needs to be said, point one has to be like heavily emphasized. I'm going to go through the other three points uh, quickly, but this point needs to be emphasized above all points. Let me read this. This is going to prove a strong point. Second Timothy, Second Timothy chapter two. Listen to this. A servant of the Lord, verse 24 through the end of the chapter, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach and patient. 
in humility, correct those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth. Verse 26, then they will come to their senses. So when they know the truth, they will come to their senses, and as such will escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Faith is what overcomes the captivity of the devil. But remember, the faith cometh by knowing the truth. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. When you know the truth, you come to your senses. The entrance of his word brings light and the Bible says, gives understanding to the simple and John 1, 5 says that light shines in darkness and darkness has no ability to comprehend it or overpower it. When that happens, you escape the snare of the devil. What are snares of the devil? Sickness is a snare of the devil. When you come to the truth of divine healing in the Bible, you escape the snare of sickness. When you come to the truth of divine prosperity in the Bible, you escape the snare of poverty. When you come to the truth of divine freedom, supernatural freedom in the Bible, that you don't have to be a slave of sin, you escape the snare of sin that the devil set, the sex, uh, set up in your life. When you come to the knowledge of the truth on any area of scripture that God promises you, you escape the snare. Any area that you're in, you're, you're having insufficient victory in any area of life that you're struggling with any area that you're having a hard time in is a revelation that you have insufficient faith built up into your spirit so what do you do do you complain do you just sit down and soak in sorrow and just say I'll never have faith I wish I had more faith faith doesn't come by wishing faith comes by hearing so what do you do you set yourself on an explorative study of the word of God you say father open up my eyes to behold the wonders of your law Lord let the spirit of wisdom and revelation be given unto me so that I might know what is the hope of your calling, the riches of your glory and the inheritance of the saints and your surpassing greatness of your power that's promised to me who believes. When you do that, God will reveal it to you. Flesh and blood can't do it, but my Father in heaven will open your eyes to see it. And when that happens, the grip of the devil is loosened. You come free. That's why Luke 4... 4.18 says, Jesus said, by the spirit of the Lord God upon me, he has anointed me to preach the gospel and to preach deliverance to the captives. Many people want to receive prayers for deliverance, but Jesus said we're to preach deliverance to the captives. When you hear the word of God, that you don't have to stay bound, you don't have to stay in that prison cell, then it's, it's not prayer you need, it's faith to believe it and then get up and walk out having escaped the, 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 the snare of the devil, having been taken captive of, of him to do his will. But you're no longer captive. That's why many a times I've preached and I've had deaf ears open. Many a times I've preached and I've had people healed without me even laying hands on them. Because the easiest way to receive a breakthrough is just by faith coming in your heart and then believing God for yourself. Number two, how you can grow your faith? By speaking the word of God. So if, all you, if you read the word, you get a blessed time reading the word and you feel charged in faith, but then you get around other people and you start to talk no different from anyone else. You read uh, that he'll bless your bread and your water, he'll take sickness out of your midst, and then you get around some people, talk about a new variant coming, you know, oh yeah, I know we're all victims, we, no, nobody's promised tomorrow, and you just start spewing out whatever they're spewing out, that faith is going to crush. You're not going to grow your faith. On the flip side, if what you read, you start to believe to the point of confessing it, your confession is actually going to develop your faith. The Bible says Jesus is the high priest of our confession. Your words are either going to water the seed of the word of God in your heart, 
or it's going to uproot the seed of the word of God in your heart. Your words are either going to grow God's word in your heart or it'll negate, negate the effect of God's word in your heart. Your mouth and your words are either going to be your downgoing or your upbringing. You're either going to bring yourself lower and lower by your words and be a victim of your own thoughts and your own words, or you'll turn into a victor by your own thoughts and your own words by speaking the word of the Lord. Despite seeing the valley full of dry bones, I'm going to prophesy dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. No matter what the world says, no matter what economists are saying, no matter matter what environmentalists are saying, no matter what governments are saying, no matter what the news is saying, my portion is found in this book. I will believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will not die. I will live and declare the works of the Lord, no matter what the doctor said, no matter what the psychologist said, no matter what they said about me having to take pills the rest of my life. No, I will. The Bible says I would have lost heart had I not believed I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So you have to choose to speak it now now that you have faith that came by hearing the word of god you have to choose to confess it you have to choose to speak it you have to choose to declare it declarest thou that thou mayest be justified even with salvation you're not saved if all you do is believe in your heart you have to believe and then speak for confession with the mouth comes salvation romans 10 and chapter uh romans chapter 10 and verse 9 through 10 so you look at even with the, the centurion, Matthew chapter 8, came to Jesus. My servant is lying at home, dreadfully tormented, ready to die. But if you'll come, lay hands on him, he'll be healed. Jesus comes. Uh, the centurion sends a delegation of troops to him. Says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should even come under my roof. Just speak the word and I know my servant will be made well. Jesus spoke the word and the word of God went to work to bring healing to the centurion's servant's body. And he was made well that selfsame hour. That's what the word of God does when you speak it out of your mouth. The word of God is not going to help anybody just hidden in your heart. You have to learn to release it. For even God said, I sent forth my word and it healed them and delivered them from all destruction. So when you speak the word, it grows your faith. Learn to confess. Learn to speak what God has said. That's what confession is. It's just repeating God. Very brief description of confession is repeating God. Now people get into error and they start to do positive confession. I'm not talking about positive confession. This isn't Christian science. I'm not saying just speak, just speak your desired future no matter what it is. You know, call that thing in, call that thing in. I'm talking about calling things into being which are listed out in the word of God. Though you don't see them now, call them into existence. That's what faith is. Faith is, Romans 4.17, he that gave life to the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Faith is your vocal, it, it's a vocal, vocally activated thing that calls those things which be not as though they were. They be not out here, but they be in here. So we've seen it. We've located it in the word of God. We know it's available to us. So it's not just positive confession. It's biblical confession. I'm not just confessing anything. I'm confessing God's word. I'm saying what God has already said. And the Bible says in Hebrews 10, therefore, if you'll not waver from your confession, he that is faithful is uh, he that promised is faithful and he will bring it to pass. So when you refuse to stop speaking it, God will bring it to pass. Now, some people think that this life of faith, and they don't even call it a faith life, they like try it. They, it's like a trial and error period. They just try faith. Well, I tried that faith stuff. It didn't work. We're not trying faith. It's a life of faith. 
I tried speaking it once and it didn't come to pass. This isn't magic. It's a life of faith. You have to learn to live the faith life, to stay on the faith path. It's not just a one-trick pony. It's not just snap your fingers and here it is. It's daily. I'm going to repeat the word of the Lord constantly, no matter what I see. If things get worse, I'm going to speak the word of the Lord. If things get better, I'm going to speak the word of the Lord. Mark 5, Jairus' daughter is at the point of death. Jesus on his way to the man's house to lay, to, to lay hands on her and heal her. She ends up dying on his way. What did the people say? Don't trouble, don't trouble Jesus any longer. Don't trouble him. He must be busy. Just, you know, give up. Don't, no, no reason believing God now. It's already done. We're going to bury her. We already made funeral arrangements. Jesus heard those words, turned to him and said, don't be afraid. Only believe all things are possible to him that believes. So in a time where it was easy to confess negative circumstances, it's easy to confess what you see. It's easy to confess what you're feeling. It's easy to confess what you're experiencing. Faith confesses the word of God despite the opposition in the natural. Elisha comes out, has a, an army encamped against him. An army with real swords, real spears, real horses, and a real desire to kill Elisha and his servant. Because he was, by the word of knowledge, giving the king's secrets to the king of Israel so they were never evil, able to, to invade Jerusalem. But the Bible says when they came to invade Elisha's house and kill him, literally put an end to his life, Elisha's servant came out in the morning, picked up the newspaper, looked up and pooed his pants, came back into the house and said, Elisha, I told you all that mouthing off was going to get us in trouble. We're finally done. Well, we had a great time in the ministry. Looks like today's the day we give our life for the gospel. Elisha comes outside and says, God, I pray, open up this guy's eyes to see what I see. And the Lord opened up the servant's eyes and he looked behind him and he saw chariots of fire round about. Faith sees in the supernatural and it doesn't get moved by the natural. Faith sees that there's more for us than there is against us. Faith doesn't go by what we smell. Faith doesn't go by what you hear. Faith doesn't go by what you, he what you see. Faith doesn't go by what you feel. Faith goes by what the word of God says. Faith sees in the supernatural realm and is not moved by the things that are opposing you in the natural realm. Lord, open up my eyes that he might see what is behind him. When he saw the chariots of fire, confidence came and he was no longer afraid. When faith comes on the scene, fear goes. Faith and fear are diametrically opposed. They can't dwell together. They can't coexist. Perfect faith casteth out all fear. That faith is coming alive in you to day in the name of Jesus. Some of you joined this broadcast and you had a reason to fear. You had a bad report. Someone told you something you never wanted to hear. You had heart-wrenching news. Be delivered your way. Well, I tell you as you've listened to this, the word of God getting in your heart is producing faith. The fear is coming off you for God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind is coming into you right now by the virtue of this faith, this living faith that is coming on you. Hallelujah. Faith grows as you speak the word of, a, of, the, of God. Don't be a chameleon Christian. Don't speak one thing one day. And then the next day you get around other people and you, you talk faith with faith people and then you get around doubt people and oh yeah, I understand. Yeah, I went through the same thing. You know, you're, you're double-minded. Let not that man expect to receive anything from the Lord, the Bible says. Don't be double-minded. Have singleness of mind. God cannot stand. The Bible even says, David said, I hate the double-minded. God hates double-mindedness. Don't say one thing around some people and then another thing around other people. 
Keep a firm watch over your mouth. When everybody's saying whatever, they're complaining about their situation, it's best not even to talk. The Bible says in Proverbs, uh, go from the presence of a foolish man when you don't perceive in him the words of knowledge. So when people aren't speaking God's knowledge, God's word, the Bible says go from them. The Bible says that we're actually the flea. Flee, have no part with people that are divisive and that are always causing trouble, always trying to debate over genealogies and little words and all that. The Bible says divide, separate from them. Don't have them in your inner circle. Guard your inner circle. Guard who has a voice of influence in your life because that's going to make a huge thing, which leads me to my third point. Hang around faith giants. You can hang around people of faith. And have that faith imparted into your spirit. Elisha hung around Elijah. And when Elijah went up, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest upon Elisha. Elisha carried what Elijah had. Because he hung around him. It got into him. Paul told Timothy, The faith that was in your grandmother Lois is in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded is also in you. So that faith that was in his grandmother, in his mother, got imparted into him. And then if you study Paul's letters to the Corinthians, the Bible says that, God, uh, that Paul said, I'm going to send Timothy to you, my beloved son, who's able to instruct you in my ways of faith that I teach in every place. So Paul not, uh, Timothy not only had the impartation of faith from his family, but Paul successfully transmitted a higher dimension of faith into Timothy so that Timothy didn't have to start at level one. Paul's ceiling was... Timothy's launching pad. The Bible says, and the, uh, the apostles, they were uneducated, untrained men, but the people recognized them as having been with Jesus because of their boldness. So the faith that was in Jesus got on the apostles so that they were bold. They were speaking like Jesus. There was a weight on their words. They, they were different. They were lifting people up out of paralyzed states. They were laying hands on dead people and having them come back to life. There was a faith that was generated in them as they hung around Jesus. Hang around people of faith. And if you live somewhere and you don't know anybody of faith, YouTube is your best friend. I hang around people of faith in Nigeria, people of faith in America, people of faith in Tampa Bay, Florida, people of faith all around the world. I read by the written media i have books of people of faith young he cho rw shambaugh teal osborne people that are dead smith wigglesworth and just by reading their material i'm hanging around with them and i'm not talking about we're not getting into weird medium junk i'm talking about it's like i'm receiving what they would have told me had they been alive in my day you have people that they go soaking at graves. Well, I'm going to go hang around uh, Catherine Kuhlman today. I'm going to go soak, just lay on their grave and pray. That's not how it works. They're dead. Their spirits in heaven. They'll rise one day. You don't do that. That's weird. But when you read what they wrote, like Catherine Kuhlman's, I believe in miracles. You start to receive an impartation of what they carried just through the written word, through the written material. Paul said in Philippians 4, the things that you have heard in me, received from me, that you have learned from me, these practice and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul said, I didn't just impart you the gospel, I imparted you my very own life. I nourished you as a nursing mother would nourish their children. He gave of himself. When you hang around people of faith, what's in them? The, the essence, the, the, the strength of their faith will be transmitted into you, will be deposited into you. Paul said, I long to be with you, O Romans. 
I long to be with you that I might impart some spiritual gift to you. Find out. In America, there's plenty. Find out men and women of God that are preaching, that are having amazing services, that there's sick people being healed and miracles happening and God's at work in their life and in their ministry. Go and sit in some meetings. People will spend $10,000 to have two weeks at Disney World, but they won't spend $150 to take a plane to a, a meeting somewhere in America to be around people of faith so that there can be an impartation of that faith into their lives. It works that way. Joshua was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid hands on him. So the quality of life you enjoy is largely determined by the quality of hands laid on you. Do you know faith can be imparted through the laying on of hands? The gift of faith can be imparted through the laying on of hands. You get around turkeys, you're going to act like a turkey and be a turkey. There's an old African proverb where there was a lion that grew up with um, sheep. And its entire life, it looked like it walked like a sheep, it ate what sheep ate, it did what sheep did, it bad like sheep bad, looked no different from a sheep. Exteriorly, it looked, it looked like a lion, but on the inside, its heart was conformed to a sheep nature. One day, you know, when predators would come, it would run with the sheep, didn't know it can do anything. One day, he was drinking water, and he looked at himself in the reflection of the water, and he saw that he didn't look like the sheep. The next time a predator came to devour the sheep, the lion stood still, realized what he looked like, and fended the predator off. Some people, you hang around too many sheep, you're going to start looking like a sheep. Start to hang around lions. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as lions, and they turn not away from any. You start to hang around people that quit at the slightest form of opposition, you're going to be a quitter. You start to hang around people that never quit, that always believe God, that constantly are, I mean, find people that are encouraging you in your faith, not telling you to back down like Jairus's family, don't trouble the teacher any longer. No, find people that'll say no, only believe. All things are possible, him that believes. And you'll find out it's a lot easier not only to grow your faith, but to sustain and maintain that level of faith in your life. Number three, hang around giants of faith. Number four, and I finish with this, faith acts and faith grows while you act on the word of God. Abraham received the word of God. He had faith to depart. But as he, the Bible says, he grew strong in faith as he kept on moving. I'm sure it didn't please Abraham to walk with Isaac and a few things of wood onto the Mount of Moriah as he knew he was going to have to sacrifice Isaac that day. I'm sure he didn't feel faith. I'm sure he didn't feel good. I'm sure he didn't feel peace. But he still went and acted in faith. He still moved, not by his feelings. He didn't move based on what he saw or heard. He moved based on what the Word of God said he should do. I'm sure he didn't feel faith when he built the altar, but he moved anyways. I'm sure he didn't feel faith when he laid the wood on that altar, but he moved anyways. I'm sure he didn't feel faith when he took the knife and was going was gonna to put a dagger into his son's neck, but he moved anyways. And what happened? The result was that God moved on his behalf. God said, now that I see that you don't reserve, you haven't held back anything. Not only the only, not only your own, not even your own son in blessing. I'm going to bless you. And in multiplying, I'm going to multiply you because Abraham was willing to do what nobody else was willing to do. He, but he did it in faith. Abraham received by faith when nobody else 
was able to receive. If you're able and willing to do by faith what nobody else is willing to do, and you do it anyways, you'll receive what nobody else is entitled to. Hallelujah. The Bible says, To him that has, more shall be given. To him that does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. What does that mean? When you have faith, and you act on, fit, on, on that faith, more faith will be given to you. That faith will grow. When you, have, when you receive faith, but you do nothing with it, you just sleep on it. You just let it lie dormant. If you let your faith lie dormant, you will, that faith will die in you, and you'll die. Nothing will work. But if you'll act on that faith and move with the faith that you have, God will see you faithful with the measure of faith you're at, and will drop more faith in you as you study his word. Acting on the, on the word of God is what allows you to be more spiritually sensitive to the word of God, to receive more from the word of God, so that you can have more faith generated by the word of God. Peter obeyed Jesus and got out, got out of the boat. When he started to take his eyes off Jesus, he began to sing. But had he kept his eyes on Jesus and kept on moving, faith would have continued to grow, faith would have continued to mature, and he would have made it to Jesus' arms. But when he got his eyes off Jesus, when he stopped doing faith actions, the faith he did have just died out, and he started to sink. That's why there's a lot of people, you started off in faith, but there's a command, an instruction you fail to carry out. And now the word of God is dull to you. Now the word of God doesn't seem to make sense anymore. Seems like the revelation you used to have where it was an exciting thing to pop this book open. It's no longer exciting because you fail to carry out the instruction God already told you to do. Go back. Ask the Lord, what is it that I have to do? Do it and you'll see that excitement will return for the word of God. Elisha threw a branch in the water so as to cause an iron axe to float. I mean, that's faith. He had to move in faith. They said, my axe uh, is in the water and it's not even mine, it's a borrowed axe. Elisha, you gotta help us. What did Elisha do? He could have easily have dived in and opened his eyes and just swam to get the axe and bring it back and retrieve the axe. Instead, what did he do? He took a piece of branch off a tree and threw it in the water by faith. And when he did that, the axe had floated. Until you're willing to fight against the laws of nature and move, and move despite how ridiculous it looks to everybody else, you're not willing to release your faith. Until you're willing to move against the laws of nature, you'll never operate the law of faith that's able to bring the desired outcome that you have, that you want. Faith, remember this, faith is not limited to the natural process of things. So don't let natural things dissuade you from acting on God's word. Jesus takes clay, anoints it, puts it on the guy that's blind's eyes. He puts it on the guy that is blind, his eyes, and says, now go and wash in the pool of Siloam. He could have said, well, I got faith now. Oh, I, man, I got a touch from Jesus. Other people, they just received a touch from his garment and they were healed. He, he not, I, don't, I didn't touch his garment. He touched my very own eyes. I'm going to be healed. Oh, praise God. Had he just done that, he would have died blind. He had to follow. He had to move on the instruction that Jesus gave him. And as he moved in faith, his eyes were open. He came back seeing. Lazarus was in that tomb. 
Jesus came and said, did I tell you that if you would believe, you'd see the resurrection of the dead? Lord, I know one day he'll rise again. No, I'm saying now. Now move the rock aside. Move the stone away. Lord, he stinks by now. Faith is not empty confession. Faith is not reiterating the word of God alone. Faith is not just quoting God's word, because there's many that do that. Faith is having an overabundance of the word of God stored up in your heart, where it provokes you to action. Faith without works is dead. But faith with works, the work of faith is able to fulfill. The Bible says that God will fulfill the work of faith with power. So the work of faith is what produces the power. So four things. When they moved the stone away, that's when the work of faith produced the power to, to resurrect Lazarus' body. Four things that grow faith. Four ways faith comes. I'm going to go through them one more time. Number one, you grow your faith as you hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Number two, you grow your faith by speaking the word of God. Number three, you grow your faith by hanging around faith giants that will encourage and stir up the faith that is in you. And number four, you grow your faith by action, by moving on the word of God. A lack of action on the word of God will strip away the faith you do have. It eliminates the faith you do have. Your faith is either, either causing you to move forward or your faith is receding. It's reducing. You're either moving forward in faith or your faith is reducing. It never assumes a neutral state. You're either growing your faith or it's dying. And I pray today, God's grace is getting into every one of you that are watching here. That a drive, a hunger to develop that faith, that measure of faith God gave you into strong faith. That you're going to pass from the little faith. You're going to pass out of the little faith into the faith realm. You're going to pass out of the faith realm into the strong faith realm. You're going to pass out of the strong faith realm into the great faith realm and into the marvelous faith realm in the name of Jesus Christ. Grace is being poured out on your life right now to have an insatiable craving for the word of God, which is the custodian of all faith. It's the generator of faith. It is the stimulator of faith. It is the faith production plant. Grace is being poured out on you to have an, an untamed, uncontrollable hunger, an insatiable hunger to eat up this book. And as you do, the gift of faith is going to come on you. The spirit of faith, the Bible says, we having the same spirit of faith as they did, they spoke and so they believe, even so we believe and so we speak. That spirit of faith is coming on you today in Jesus' name. When everybody's saying it can't happen, you'll be saying it can happen. And not only it can happen, it will be happening. It will be happening. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were placed in a burning fiery furnace and they said to Nebuchadnezzar, our God whom we serve, he's able. None of the other Jews wanted to risk their lives, but they said our God's able. When everybody's saying, I don't know if he's able, you'll be saying our God's able and he is willing to deliver us from this burning fiery uh, uh, furnace. And the Bible says when they stood in faith, God himself came down. The appearance of the fourth man came in that fire and they weren't touched by smoke. They didn't smell like smoke. They didn't, their clothes weren't burnt off. The only thing that burnt off was the ropes that kept them bound. As you stand in faith, as you walk in faith and move in faith, the only thing that's gonna be burnt off your life 
is the ropes the enemy has sent to entangle you with. You're going to be, you're going to pass over to the other side. You're going to move to the other side. You're going to walk in the blessing of God. Your children are going to walk in the blessing of God. You're not going to go downwards. You're going to go upwards. You're not going backwards. You're moving forward. You will taste and see of the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hallelujah. 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 Every faith giant is a winner. You're joining the winning side in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ. If you're watching now and you've never given your life to Jesus, you need to do it right now. The very first way you have to use your faith is faith for salvation. Whosoever believeth on me will not perish and go to hell, but have everlasting life. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you need to do it right now. Jesus laid down his entire life for you. For you. And it's not jump through hoops to get saved. It's just believe. Only believe. Only believe. For he that believeth on me will never die, the Bible says. Only believe. Don't push this opportunity off to another day. You're not promised tomorrow. Jesus can come back right now. Today is the acceptable time. Now's the day to be saved. The Bible says, repent and believe. And times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. God wants to refresh you today. God wants to refresh you with joy, with healing, with peace. God wants to refresh you with rest. God wants to refresh you with divine energy. He wants to refresh you with His blessing. He wants to refresh you with everything that He has available for you in heaven. But you have to repent and believe. If you've never done that, or maybe you have, but you've fallen away. You're not living for the Lord. Today, come back home. Pray this prayer with me from the top, uh, from the bottom of your heart. Repeat this with me in sincerity and in truth. Say, Father, in Jesus' name. I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess Jesus is my Lord. Wash my sin away. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Where I was weak, make me strong. I will live for you. I will go where you tell me to go. I turn to you today. Old things are past. Everything becomes new. Heaven is now my home. My name's written in the Lamb's book of life. And I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.